1: Celtic Stuff Live. With your hosts, Justin Poolin and John Duke.
0: Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poolin. Joining me is John Duke, and we are just passing the time, folks, passing the time. Although. CLNS Media Network has really got you covered. Talking about juicy content for us to get upset about. <laughs> Ray Allen interview with Cedric Maxwell, and you can tell these two have a rapport. They seem to be friendly. I think Cedric's maybe even had a soft spot for Ray in his heart. That's not the case here on Celtic Stuff Live, though, so... <laughs> Thank you so much to Ray for giving us something to get excited about or at least worked up about. We'll certainly be talking about that on this show. Um, John, I have no interest in talking about horse, although if you want to talk about horse, that's great. Seems like they're trying to get by. I, I'd rather spend the first 10 minutes talking about the NFL draft if I had to touch between the two. And seriously, like how starved are people going to be? For draft content, like a six-round pick is never going to have mattered more than it will. And and I also was a huge critic of the four-day str- spread out. I always liked it more condensed. And uh, this will be the first time I'll be like, yay, four days, because that's something new every day. Like, talk about stuff for content. So who knows? We'll see what – how the – you know, the NBA is tech- – Typically been a more conservative of all of them, right? Like they're just like we don't know when we'll come back. We're gonna wait till it's the right time, you know. And then you see somebody like Dana White, who heralds from our great state of Maine, who's like, "We're gonna do it on an island." <laughs> you know, the, the sports world just has such a wide variety, but the NBA is probably the most conservative.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, I think that they're just. The part of it is, I guess, where they are on the calendar too, right? I mean, this is they they can they can do something, um, and and really just go to the playoffs, but you know, it's a it's an indoor game, and it's so I I think that and they were also the first to be impacted too, which I think really changes how people view it, and I think they felt that, you know, that. The weight of that on their shoulders, as you know, Adam Silver made the call to kind of cancel those games and, and suspend the, the season of sorts, and then really the whole world changed from thereafter. And I don't know if it's the NBA that led the way, but it certainly felt like that the NBA's call was the first domino uh, that, or one of the first dominoes that really kind of changed how our culture (laughs) and Western world operated. So uh, maybe that's just because I feel that more acutely as a, as a Celtics fan and a diehard NBA fan, but it certainly felt like that leadership role was important. And this is now as we move into,
0: this next well they were also the first ones we diagnosed right like right exactly. about players who it wasn't just that they were mid-season and you know hockey hockey's obviously around too but it wasn't just that they were mid-season it had a lot to do with the fact that um, they had players who were getting diagnosed
1: sure sure absolutely but i think it's what I, I guess the larger th- issue for me is they're at the end. They have a, a window of handling the playoffs, and they can do a lot of different things in the playoffs. They can do different rounds. They can play it in one area. I mean, there's there's options available to them, uh, but of course the science and the testing and all that has to uh, has to work. And uh, you know we're not quite there yet, despite what some governors believe. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Ooh, I knew what you meant. But it... Yeah. What's your major political science, by chance? Maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went in on this. We went on this early on about how crazy all this is, and it's. Oh, you mean like after some whiskey? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <all> <laughs> we're 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 dry in this one here, but well, it's just it's crazy to me. It's I want everything to come back the way it is too, but. Like, at what cost? You know, like the idea that there's calculus people are making as to, well, we can afford to lose so many people. I mean, yes, there's a, like, you can't all live in a bubble, but. There's a there's a there's a middle ground there that's like, well, you know, maybe Dr. Oz is two to three percent of children dying from this. Maybe that's not the place you want to start the conversation, maybe some less risky behaviors. And <laughs> I know you really want to go to the beach, Clearwater, Florida. But honestly, like, can we can we just like give it a minute here?
0: I don't think there's like- anything wrong with the NBA going back to playing with no fans. Right. Like, you know, they're not going to sell one out of every six seats and make it look in the stands like they're social distancing and then the lines for food are ridiculous. Like, it's just not going to work. Nobody's going to make enough money at it. But... They could absolutely sell a subscription. You know, They could do something to be able to watch this, to be able to generate some revenue from the games and monetize it. The sponsors are still going to be there. They can get the ad dollars from the TV deals and all of that to uh, to be able to play these games and get it to the people at home. And, and let's face it, that those numbers will be some of the highest numbers they'll have ever seen with the product because nobody's got anything else to do. So they ought to say like, look, we can't put people in the stands, but, we can definitely put people in their count on their couches because uh, they're already there and they're going to be tuning in and they're starved for this. I I think that would be the smartest play. I think it would be the most financially beneficial to the NBA and the players who are continually you hear them talking about giving their money back and trying to figure out what they're going to do and you know I I think that I think the ad revenue is there. Um, you know, there's plenty of car dealerships that are still selling cars. There's you know, it's really the restaurant. It's the service industry that's getting crushed. And the people the people that I really my heart goes out to are are the folks that own like a small niche restaurant. I mean, think about it. That's our life's work. They might have mortgaged their home to be able to open that niche restaurant, you know, and then they're not able to, you know, like that whole thing can go down the tubes. Like those are the people my heart really goes out to with this economy crush, because a lot of us are either still working and able to work from home, or we're going to rebound very quickly because when we do open up the economy again, people are going to go back to work. Like it's not like there isn't, you know. But but those small business owners, they're not going to be able to survive that that finan- even with the with, even with the help from the government. You know, those restaurant owners, it, it, even when we go back to normal. They're not going to have packed seats in the restaurants. There's still going to be a delay on that. And I just – those are the people I really think about on a day-in and day-out basis. But the large companies that sponsor most of these events, they're going to be fine. And so those dollars should go back into the product. They should play the playoffs. They should do it with no fans, which will be a travesty, and it will be a little weird. And it certainly won't benefit the Celtics because that's an edge, edge team Boston, no doubt. But that's what they should do, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, my goodness, I mean the whole four, you know, remember when they used to do the, the 40 days and 40 nights, uh, that was the, you know, kind of TNTs, you know, big, uh, thing that they, you know, they push, uh, I think that's, that's the way that, you know, it's going to be like that times a billion because <laughs> you no know, one else, like you said, there is literally nothing going on. I think they stand the best chance of anyone coming back. Um, and you know, while you can do pods for baseball or uh, you know hockey, I'm not sure if that works quite as well because the surface, you know, you have to have the surface has to be the right condition to be able to skate on it. And so I'm not sure that they can use a similar model for hockey. But for basketball, you know, Keith Smith, you know, floated the idea of doing something in in Orlando. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Keith obviously knows the area, living in that area, but also. It, it is well-situated. You know, I, I like that idea a little bit better than, than Las Vegas. Uh, but then again, the governor of Florida has shown his, his, his colors here the last uh, few weeks. So I'm not sure that's a safer situation. So who knows, who knows, but um, this is, this is, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we're, you know, whether, you, you know, we're on the other side or we're cresting or, we're, or we're plateauing or whatever the, you know, the term is, the, always the question is, what happens next? And the only the only caveat, I think, to the to the NBA's success with this is, will people be turned off by it because they don't have those same liberties at home, that we aren't all going back? And so the NBA going back... But could, so many are. Could it turn I mean, a negative that, eye yeah, but, towards
0: that? Maybe, but the truth is, is that there's a ton of people out there working. You know, there's people that are at the grocery stores. There's people delivering your packages from FedEx. You know, I don't know you don't have Rita's, but it's a it's like a a, 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 and not an ice cream, but like an Italian ice place down here in Pennsylvania. They're open. I mean, you would Home Depot is open. Like there are a lot of businesses that don't necessarily fall into that, you know, non-essential category that are still going. And I get it. Basketball may not be an essential business by any means, (laughs) but I'm just saying, like, the next phase of this, when you start to open up some of the non-essential businesses, this is one that you could still sort of quarantine the people and keep their social distancing on a day-to-day basis in play, but control the environment that they're being exposed. And let's also say with the stats that we're getting, like, has anybody that's an NBA player that's been diagnosed truly – had a situation where they were in a life-threatening or going to – like they're all in peak physical shape. They tend to be of a younger age, and I'm not going to stereotype the demographic 100% here, but I'm just saying that it would seem like if there are more going to be more non-essential businesses going back to work, that this would be an easy one to control and allow to happen. And there's still going to be a lot of people who are going to be at home and working from home. And anybody who can work from home should work from home.
1: Yeah, I mean, apart from obviously the the issues that, that people of color are, are facing with this disease that seem to be disproportionately impacting those communities, you're absolutely right. I mean, they are younger, they're healthier. There's there's a a, a lot of more reasons. The thing that I don't understand is you know these pods of testing and ensuring people are um, quarantined of sorts, you know, and I I wanted I think to me the key of whether that works is how much will the players will the you know how much regular life can be able to come back to this they can't run big brother you know nba style right i mean they can't literally put these guys in a hotel and have them play for you know 6 weeks no family no kids no No, I know. was
0: thinking the family would come.
1: I was That's, thinking of a unique yeah.
0: cuz think about it. The hospitality industry is getting killed too. Sure. So to think about, think about it this way. Um each team gets a whole hotel, right? And they bring their families with them in, from their houses, right? And then they stay in the exact same rooms. That they would have stayed in and and maybe and and maybe they have the opportunity to to rent a house that's empty or something like that right, and they they get it cleaned appropriately before they go move in or whatever it is, but you know i'm thinking lesser you know lesser of the leaving because the families the other point that you're making it's not just you know them being alone without their families it's their families getting no social connection or stuck at home, and it's taking you know one of the you know one of the You know, assuming that it's a husband and wife, you know, sometimes the families are extended families, etc. But it's taking one of the leader foundation of the family, you know, the patriarch. It's taking the patriarch, you know, no matter what, out of the equation and removing them from their family at a time when families need to be able to be together and support each other. So I, I look at it as the families come with. But keep in mind this. That's more doable because the kids aren't going to school. You know, like sure. that's the, – all the limitations for the family traveling as a unit, especially with kids that are of school age, is the fact that they have to go to school. Well, now those kids could work from the hotel. They could work from, you know, uh, a home that they're renting in the area. Like they can do all that schoolwork remotely. They're already doing it from home anyway. So I don't see any reason why they couldn't take the families and just, you know, move them. Um, I think the teams could definitely do something with, you know, their uh, – you know, like a team charter, that kind of thing and clean the plane before everybody gets on. Like I think there's a safe way – For them to travel, travel as a family unit, get to a place, and not be bouncing city to city, to your point, right? And host it. It's all in one place. All the teams come in, and they just do their thing. It's televised. They're making the best of a bad situation. And honestly, it might be the best thing for those families, too, to have some level of normalcy. I mean, one of the things that's making everybody crazy, and definitely the people who can't work, like I'm staying – I'm busier than I've ever been with work. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are a lot of people that aren't. And, you know, that stir craziness it, mentally is is rough. So why not why not put this in a fairly safe and controlled environment and, you know, you're even giving something back to those families so that they have something to do?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's – if they can pull it off and, and there's enough buy-in from, say, the Players Association, you know, I think that that will help. I, I think it also goes – it's going to go beyond the Players Association to some degree. How does it's going to be what each individual player wants to do. Yeah, I well, get sure. that, but how do they get no, paid? But, yeah, but it, like you, like how does it look for the NBA to say no? Um, fill in the blank player, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, no, we think you should be playing in this. He says no. I mean, it only takes one, right? Then what happens? You know, does is the, does the team suspend them? Do they? I mean, there's just a lot of. I I just feel like there's a lot of questions that uh, they aren't going to. That could—it's just going to make this different and different.
0: Well, then maybe they do more they of an optional try. tournament. Well, maybe they do more of an optional tournament, so the players can opt in under controlled circumstances, and that's how they get, you know, their check. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to opt into this, you know what I mean, but you don't have to. I mean, none of these people can technically be forced into going and playing basketball because most of them should have well enough money to be, you know what I mean. But 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 they should come to an agreement where they say, look. Finances are retracted. You know, the money's not there. So unless we go do this, you know, and maybe it's a round-robin tournament and the players get picked. You know what I mean with the you know, like captains of eight different teams. You know, depending on this, the amount that opt in to do this, and then they get to play for a paycheck. You know what I mean? Um, because there's advertising, and maybe there's an unprecedented revenue share. You know, I I agree. The conversation's already getting murkier when you start to do that. It might take them too long to come to terms with something. They have to find something simple and easy and optional, and then see if there's interest. And then if there is, they got to roll with it. Mm-hmm. But Uh, Team affiliation and support, though, more than just a a love for the NBA product. That's the part that they might be missing, you know, if they did it in that way. But I guess more to come on that factor. You can follow Celtic stuff live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app, Marketplace YouTube dot com slash CNS media for high definition interviews uh, shows the garden reports yeah, stuff <laughs> Dude, tons of stuff on there. Definitely, we're <laughs> going to tee up the Cedric Maxwell interview with Ray Allen, and, and we're going to be talking about that in the second half of the show coming up next. But with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. That's an interesting one. Wagering on stock prices, a futures market that is already wagering. You can wager on wagers and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution, John. Yes. How much you want to bet Ray Allen and the rest of the Celtics never make up? Oh, geez.
1: I think it will happen. It won't. You don't think it will?
0: No, here's why. And, it, and I think it really comes out in that interview with, um, between Cedric and Ray, right? The whole mm-hmm. concept was everybody's like, yeah, they, we think they'll get back together. You know, mm-hmm. like when KG has his retirement, you know what I mean? Maybe they'll mm-hmm. let Ray back in the fold. Here's the thing that nobody considered. Ray took himself out in the beginning. What makes you think Ray wants to come back? Like everybody's looking at it like, you know, Paul and KG are all holding this over Ray, you know, and Perkins and Rondo like because Ray went to Miami, they won't let him in, right? They isolated. No. You got it all wrong. The narrative is pretty clear. They're pissed at Ray because he took himself out. And there's a whole other side of this, which is maybe Ray doesn't want anything to do with them. Maybe the reason he took himself out is because he's bitter and narcissistic. And he can only see it from his perspective. You know what I mean? Like, everybody is thinking, like, Ray is just sitting on the sidelines because he's – this is the thing. And this is where the fans got confused. They're like, well, Ray keeps coming out and saying he doesn't understand why the fans treat him this way. Well, this is why, because literally you went to Miami expecting us to take your side, which is delusional. And then you're like, what? And you get to make that decision. You get to do whatever you want. The one thing that you don't get to do is expect us to take your side in that circumstance, especially when there's clearly a whole host of things that the general public doesn't know. And Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins and Ray John Rondo have all done good at biting their lip on whatever that is. You know, there's been lots of things that have been alluded to along the way. But w- there may have just been a lot of little things like a bad marriage that added up to something that was not recoverable anymore. And away goes Ray. But it was less money. It was still off the bench. You know what I mean? And it was the team that they had just lost to in seven games. And Ray obviously did not like being supplanted by Avery Bradley. But that was a Doc Rivers decision and a decision which is out of character for Doc. He never goes with a young guy over the vet. So I think there were just enough slights that added up with Ray. He took himself out and maybe he doesn't want back in to his teammates' hearts. He just, you know, wants that public perception to not be what it is because at deep down he's kind of like a politician, you know, and you can't take everything that he says for face value. I so
1: I I don't I think that there's the public perception is absolutely a big part of this. I mean, Ray is somebody who wants to be loved and, and appreciated. And I think that gets, to, gets to him. He was always someone who was quick with a quote. Uh, he was always someone who was willing to, to give the time to quick with a know, quote
0: or a light up your smoke.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Best out the uh, harmonica, buddy.
1: There you go. <laughs> but he, he was, he's always willing to, to, to meet with the press. And so what I heard in that interview with with Max was a guy who desperately wants to get back. He wants to be in the good graces. He wants to be loved and appreciated. He feels as though he's been slighted. By the region. By the region, sure, sure. And I think that he wants that adulation. He's hurt. He feels as though that not just... Uh, those players have spoken against him. The fans have gone against him. The media has gone against him. And I think he feels like it's this, this boulder uphill. And he's like, what did I do? Who, me? What could I possibly have done? And it's this kind of like insane, like uh, mind you know, delusion that he's operating in, that somehow he has the right to operate and that there's no consequence for it. Having the right to leave does not mean that you have the right to do so without consequence. That's been the whole issue with this all along, you know. And I don't, I don't get in the way of him being a free agent, wanting to, you know, get the best offer forward. He has that right, but you give up some of those things, you know. Paul Pierce could have asked for a trade in two thousand seven and wanted to get out the door. He ended up not getting there. And he ends up sticking around and he's he's a legend, you know, so
0: and UConn is such a great fit for him. UConn is such a, a, a great fit for him because it's like as far as like the New England fan base goes, it's split. Right. It's got a dual personality. And Ray is more New York, Connecticut than he is Boston, Connecticut. And you know, I think that's another reason why he's kind of out. You know what I mean? He's a little more of the, a little more of the limelight, a little bit more of the showtime. You know, a little bit more of the flash and the flare, and a little less drunk Irish guy. You know, and is- salt of the earth. And you know what I mean? And he just fits on that side of the equation more than he fits on the, you know, the 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 type of personality publicly that is in in that would in, you know like look at Kevin Garnett you know what i mean he's just that salt of the earth hard work and dirt dog emotional hard on his sleeve for all of its goodness and you know pros and cons of that personality but that's the new england personality and ray is not he doesn't embody that you know, he bodies a little bit more of that over-polished businessman, suit and tie, you know. all And I'm I'm not saying those people don't exist in Boston. I'm not trying to, like, stereotype the two regions. But I'm just saying that if you look at the players that we as a fan base tend to attach ourselves to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not that's, Ray's prototype.
1: Exactly. No, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Because remember, Ray, Ray's an army brat, right? Uh-huh. Ray never set down roots anywhere he went. He he probably liked to. He probably wanted to. He probably thought Boston would be the place where he could do that, which is kind of the ultimate kind of irony in all of this. But he's an Army brat. He doesn't have those you know, uh, very ingrained yeah, loyal, roots that regional New Englanders ties. have. Yes, Just for absolutely. your reason, New Yorkers – There's some who are from New York, sure, but that's a city, New York, and that metropolitan area, everyone's coming from everywhere, and and there's a little bit more of a a cosmopolitan aspect to this where, yeah, you live in New York, but you can be from anywhere. If you're from Boston, if you're from New England, you are from New England. You will always be from New England. You will always be a Mainer. We are always going to be Mainers. That's in us through and through. It's ingrained, and it's part of who we are.
0: And people do not like have that, that about us, and we right. kind of just deal with it.
1: Right. That's why we, That's why those fans cheered their asses off for Ray, because they wanted the Celtics to beat the Miami Heat. And so I don't think he ever understood that. I think that's the issue, is that fundamentally, at least in terms of the fans, he never understood that our passion for that team – it's not because he wore number twenty and we'll go anywhere with him. It's because we we root for the laundry, you know. We're rooting we're rooting for the green and white. That's what we do. We're not going to say, oh well, good luck to you, Ray. Have fun with our biggest rival and the team that seemingly unfairly, not really, but you and know, there was unfairly put together LeBron. a team. It, he you know, didn't just, yeah. season and put that big three together. You, you know, it's like yeah. it was it was piling on,
0: and how but he didn't you just join Miami. Couple? Yeah, he didn't just join Miami, the team that we had just lost to. He also joined LeBron. There was deep-seated hatred towards LeBron that preceded Miami's ascent to the top of the NBA. There was so much baggage that he attached himself to. It's almost like he didn't even understand the NBA landscape when he did that if he really didn't think that there would be a harsh response. It, it, again, it, that's why I say it's delusional, and that's why I think it's political. It's sort of like you know, you make a decision and you know it's going to be an unpopular decision, and it might not, you know, <laughs> in true politics, it might not even be in the best interest of the people, you know. So in this case, it's definitely not taking the people, meaning the fan base, at heart when he made that decision. But then coming out and being like, well, you know, and you just try to position it, and people are like, no, dude, you're full of it. You were full of it, and that's you know that's how this went down. This is how people experienced it, and and I think you look at the loyalty to this day with KG and Paul especially being at the core of that. Like those two are boys; those two love each other. And then you know you've got Kendrick and Rondo that are kind of there, but not quite as tight. I don't think as Paul and Ray are. I mean Paul and KG, Paul and KG are. KG, yeah. Um, but 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 still, there's a tight-knit group there, you know, and, and Ray is just not part of that. And I think that he resented it from the beginning. Think about how he came onto the team. When they made that trade, it wasn't like the Boston – you remember this. We did our draft night show. The Boston fan base <laughs> didn't go, we're going to win a championship race coming. No, right. that's not what no. they did. No. We got on the phone with, with, with Mike Gorman and had a whole conversation about, well, if you're going to do that. There's really got to be another piece. That right there got off on the wrong foot with Ray, and to the point where I was just on a podcast with Mike Fay. You might remember he covered a bunch of the games for us on the Celtic Stuff Live credentials back in the day and did a bunch of the podcaps after the games and – um, came on frequently when we were having guests on the show, and we were talking about this. And he reminded me that in that press conference, when they were asking them, you know, they they kind of went around the horn. They asked Ray, you know, when the game's on the line, who's going to take the shot? You know, and Ray says the open man, which is a great answer. But guess what? Paul and KG said they said Ray's going to take the shot, and that's because they knew how he might feel. Third fiddle right off the bat, and I just don't think that his ego, his ego, could handle that that the final straw was getting benched by Doc Rivers for a younger player that's to- which is totally out of Doc's character and that those things added up but I still think there's probably a lot of locker room stories and a lot of other things and we've heard it alluded to about conflict between Ray and Rondo that are never going to come out but it just I don't think Ray wants back into that group I I don't think I think he left Well and- That's what it is.
1: That's it. Well, that's okay. So I think that's a different I think he wants to be back. I think he wants to be in the Celtics fold. I think he wants to be viewed as a legend. I think he wants that the vitriol to go away towards him. I don't think he wants to accept blame. I don't think he wants to accept any sort of uh, share of responsibility for what happened. He, he he wants all the good for what happened. He doesn't want to accept any of the bad. And I think that that's, that's where the issue is. Because that is Casey something is that saying, a
0: front-running turd would do.
1: Exactly. Thank you. Bringing it back to that area. Era. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mo Williams, where are you, man? Uh, Kevin Garnett. And so the story that Max tells uh, is about how Jan Volk effectively at the uh, – the closing of the Boston Guard went to him and said, look, we want to hire you, but you got to apologize to Red. And, of course, Max talks about how, well, you know, I didn't think I should I sh- had anything to, to apologize for and blah, blah, blah. And so he went to him anyway, and he didn't even have to say I'm sorry, but Red just basically kind of accepted an apology that never was vocalized, but everybody was OK. And I think that's kind of what has to happen here for this to, to move forward. There has to be a conversation. But you got to at least be willing to go a little bit hat in hand. You know, Max has not going to happen. That's my Max point. Ray knows. Yeah, but That's up to Ray. What I'm yeah, saying but is that's my point. That's to, why it's
0: never going to happen. He has to want that. But you can't, Ray you can't have isn't. A, and that's been the problem. Ray, if Ray had it in him to want something like that, he never would have chosen Miami he would have chosen a different team he just would have left for different reasons that's my point he's never he's never going to do that he's never going to view it that way he's never going to take that angle it's not and this is why this is and this is really what i was getting at from the beginning it's not that important to him what he wants right is sort of like a superficial want right it's not a visceral want he doesn't want anything the way Kevin Garnett wants it, or he doesn't want anything the way Paul Pierce wants it. That's Nothing true. in life does he want the way that Paul and KG want it. It's just not his personality.
1: That, that could be right. So it, 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 he ultimately has to come up with that. He, he either has to build to a place where that changes or it's it not going to happen. It and won't. I think every, perhaps everybody else wants that more for them than they want it themselves. Certainly True Kevin Garnett never, isn't going to okay. walk away and be like, Oh yeah, no, cool. I've, I've had this, this, this guy turned his back on me and our team. Cool. Come on into the, the four, Ray. That's not going to happen. But on the other hand, Ray, obviously being who Ray is for the reason we, we talked about, he's not going to step back and be like, Well, you know what? Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, there is something different here. That's probably not going to happen either. I hope it does. I hope I hope it does because – I well, hope it does. I, well, I think it would be good to move on past that, and so everyone can kind of just – we can stop –
0: if it's it happens an issue. If it happens, it'll still be in an insincere manner from Ray. And that's my point about why he would never do it. And it's part of my well, point about why it'll never happen. Because KG and Paul aren't going to let somebody be insincere, to use your analogy. You know, Red was a leader in a different way than KG and Paul are in a different role. He's an organizational leader. He's a, a big, broader, future-thinking kind of a leader. You know, he's going to take one sometimes in certain circumstances for the better. And and I'm not saying that KG and Paul don't have that in their like in their makeup or in their hearts, but it's not their role in this situation. They're not the face of this franchise. They're not going to eat one. They have got nobody to lead, per se, that would allow them to accept an insincere apology from an insincere Ray Allen, especially with the bad blood. And Ray is never going to get to a point where he is going to sincerely accept – his responsibility, his decision, or accountability for that, or even to a point where he says to the fans, listen, we will know he's ready if he speaks to the fans and says this. I totally understand why the fans felt the way that they felt. I just hope that with time they'll forgive me. Yeah. If he said that. Oh, yeah. Or when he says that. Yeah. We'll know that he's ready to make up with KG and Paul. But if that idiot can't even get himself to that point yeah. and he keeps coming out and going, I don't get it. I don't get it. Dude, <laughs> you're never going to get it.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You're you're absolutely right about that. He he has to make the first move. You know, he's the one who maybe has been injured more from this situation to anybody and so i don't know if that means he's looking for something else out of it but to me he he's the one that has to take that step he's the one to, to then to use the maxwell uh comparison he's the one that has to fly down to washington and and that's where you know you know we look at Maxwell? Pride. well right but maxwell, Not happening. maxwell did right is very different and that's the thing that i I took issue, I'll well, not take issue with, but I disagreed with in terms of Max. Max views himself as the same situation. It wasn't the same situation. He was traded. You know, he's like, I didn't, they shouldn't have been mad at me. It wasn't my choice. And, and, I, and I think that it should be different. Red obviously traded right. him Max, for Max a reason. Max is correct
0: about that. He had a but, right to take that personally. And the players say all the time these days, it's a business. It's a business. You always get reminded it's a business. But yeah. guess what? The players still have a right to have an emotional reaction to that. Anybody who ever loses their job or said that they're unwanted, you know what I mean, or whatever. Like you can't say that that's not personal. This this aspect, this idea in sports that it's a business. Yeah, it's a business, and business decisions get made. But Mm -hmm. the but there's a personal attachment to the fan base, to the city, to the organization. You can't say that it's not going to impact somebody personally. That's the thing I loved about Isaiah Thomas. You know, he's like out there talking about his separation from the Celtics and how that went down at a horrible time in his life. Nobody has more reason to go out and vilify that organization with just spewing of hatred, right? Nobody. Nobody. And yet he still goes out there and says, I didn't like it. I wasn't happy about it. You know what I mean? I definitely told Danny how I felt about it. You know what I mean? And I get that it's a business, but it hurt me personally. Want to know why we loved Isaiah Thomas? Straight up, honest dude. 100% heart, 100% forthcoming, easy to believe because he presented the duality of life to you in how he saw the situation. No more mature a man publicly as a player in the NBA, than Isaiah Thomas from our experience over the years. Mm-hmm. Totally incredible person. Ray is the opposite of that to tenfold. He's not that guy. I don't think he's a bad guy.
1: I think he's just, I, I don't think. He's
0: just not that guy.
1: He's just not that guy.
0: Yeah, He's not that go. guy, and that's why it's not going to get there. You know, like, well, to, to you know, Cedric right. went and did what he did, but he had a right to take it personally, you know, and look where he is now. He covers the team. He's based in Boston. You know what sure. I mean? He's been able to maintain those relationships. He left a path towards recovery, and he had a position to stand on. Ray, to your point, has no leg to stand on.
1: Well, right. Well, yeah, a little bit, and, and I think that that's why that – there is that connection makes sense that there is a way to rehabilitate and come back. Uh, I don't think that there was the vitriol from the fans and Max's instance as there is here, but there's an opportunity there for Ray if he takes it. But, but for thus far, I mean, that's the problem. I guess the frustrating part is, is, you know, us somewhat agreeing on where we're coming from on this. Someone needs to challenge Ray's thinking on this to say, look, man, I hear you. I
0: hear what you're saying, but <laughs> – and, and just you know, play the last ten Somebody minutes. Somebody you know. has, dude. Somebody has. There's no way that that man has walked around for the last eight years without one single person going up to him. And ha you know what I mean? Like I get it. A lot of these guys surround themselves with a bunch of yes men yeah. and you know, hype guys and close family friends who will always take their side and da 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 da. but if he's put himself in any public situation, have a conversation with anybody who isn't invested in Ray mm-hmm. and that that conversation has come up, he has had to have run into somebody who has challenged him over the last eight years about how he's viewing that. and if he hasn't, then it's another reason to show you why this isn't going to change, because he would never surround himself with the kind of people that would challenge the bitter narcissism that resides within. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not his makeup, then. His makeup is the company line, the status quo, the blindly following. You know what I mean? Like, he's not flexible, then. And he doesn't set himself up to be flexible.
1: But, see, that's when I look at it and say, okay, well, then then we need to stop having these people who are saying they need to get over it. KG needs to change. Like, that's the thing that, that frustrates me is because ah. this isn't on Kevin Garnett to me. This isn't on Paul Pierce. Oh, I'm with you. No, I'm this with you. This isn't on Wick, Grossbeck. It's not on Danny each It's good business for the Celtics. Don't it get me wrong. It might be
0: on Doc Rivers, but that's it,
1: about it. More so than anyone. Yes. Because, really, who's, who's, who's decision-making – put things into place. And I right. think the one thing we haven't talked about a little bit is that the rise of Rajon Rondo in the latter half of that era did force the Celtics to make a
0: choice, right? We
1: talked about the Avery Bradley piece.
0: Well, it was also a validator. It was, it yes. was it validated that the right decision had been made. Totally. And, and another validator that the person who made that decision believed in it is the fact that he dragged Avery Bradley with him everywhere else he went. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, know, you know, like there was a lot yeah. of love for Avery from Doc, you know, on the right deal for the right amount of money. But he saw him as a low value, high impact, you know, kind of guy. So for the amount of money that you were ever going to pay Avery Bradley, Doc was going to get way more. He was a cog financially and defensively who could then run a little backdoor screen and hit some shots when he's open, you know, all of that that just fit into the plan. He was a role player on a low a, a low contract who brought way more value than that contract actually wound up hitting the team's cap. And Doc's whole thing is get the stars in town, build it up and then build that build that around those players, you know. And that's part of the reason Avery's in in LA. Is another perfect fit in that environment, even though Doc's not there. It's the same concept because it's a concept that Avery fits in. He fit in it in Boston. The only place he didn't fit was Detroit, and that's why, because Detroit wasn't built that way. Well, yeah, and I, I
1: think that that's yes, but it's it's more. You're right, but it's about Rondo to me. Like that's Avery is Avery was the guy in the way. He was the the pawn in, in this in this scheme if you want to call it that, between Rondo and Ray. not for Doc. Doc. I'm
0: just saying you're right about Rondo from the team standpoint, but I think from Doc's standpoint, it was Avery. I think
1: uh, I I felt reading between the lines of that conversation with Max that what was unsaid is that Doc was siding with Rondo. Because Rondo was the guy. Rondo was the next guy. And the only way that team was going to go where it needed to be was with Rajon Rondo at the controls and having a big role in that. And, and you can't tell me watching the playoffs in 2011, 2010, 11, and 12, or even 9 for that matter, that that's the wrong way to think. Now, a random Thursday night in Charlotte, not so much. But, but other than those nights, you know, when it, when it mattered most, who showed
0: right? He played big. Yeah, I he mean, played really, big. You
1: look, at, yeah. you look from 2009 on, I mean, yes, Ray had an amazing series against the Bulls. Rondo was almost step for step with him. And then certainly after 10 and on, I mean, there's no question. Those last three seasons, it was all about the, what Rajon Rondo and where he was going. So it's, it's just that the knee injury and everything kind of has made us look at that. That's the latter half of that area. I I think a little bit more differently than we might've because had he remained healthy, who knows what the team looks like in 13, 14, 15 and on. But the fact that Rondo obviously blew the knee out and things went sideways. I don't think we give Rondo the appreciation that he deserves. And for the amazing play. I mean, there were – he was the best player in that Cavs series of 2010. He was the best player in the playoffs, really – you know uh, and, and until that laker you know through that Lakers series in 2010 he might have been a uh, you know finals mvp for that matter um you know I'll you know what this is reminding
0: of, me of well. oh, we've you got know? to wrap the show but the thing that this is reminding me of is the banter that you and i had over a six year period about rondo and there would be at least every other show you would say yeah we know you hate rondo you hate rondo and i would be like i don't hate rondo and you're well, like he, and oh. then we would talk about his jump shoot do you remember that? Like that. that Only was like, one person
1: on the show <laughs> said he can't hit the backboard, and I quote: "I mean, you know."
0: But he this literally here. did when I said it, and you can't go, you can't run Again. around and tell me that his jump Again. shooting was elite. It
1: doesn't matter. That's not the point. At that point. You can get by without being a Isolated
0: comment. I didn't say he was invaluable uh, because he can't hit the backboard. I just said he can't hit the backboard, which there were many times he couldn't. <laughs> Do you remember his free-throw shooting? Think about how much harassment Jalen Brown has gotten for not being a shooter, and yet year after year he keeps proving that the shooting is getting better, and even yeah. his free-throw shooting this year, and that guy can't get to break. But if you actually look at the numbers <laughs> – rondo's jump shooting never like it wasn't like oh it's upticking it's getting better no he's the same guy souped nuts. a better little now. bit a little oh, a lot bit.
1: better no a lot better that's it before we go here i'm, I'm, I'm all right I'm calling, it wrap. Wrap. I'm calling it up <laughs> on
0: rondo jump shot stats you can't well, just show me field goal percentage that doesn't count the more he gets around other players who can space the floor and he carves it up and shoots a little floater. Like I, you got to go to like the right site and get me even a set shot. You know what I mean? Cause like a jump shot on the go, I always said he was good at, I was like, seems like that guy just needs to be in motion. If he's in motion, the ball's going in the basket. But if you ask him to, to do a catch and shoot, with his feet planted, you know, he, he everything that was great about Ray's basketball shooting form, Rondo did not have. He was better in every other situation. But when you think of Ray, you think about perfect mechanics. The feet in the right spot, the gather right at the waist, comes right up, consistent flick and release, nice and high. Oh, my word. You know, when you think about Rondo taking a set shot, it's like Shaquille O'Neal from the free throw line. It's just Not pretty.
1: Okay, well, so the last five years of three-point shooting from him, 36.5, 37.6, 33.3, 35.9, 32.8, compared to 20 point – this is the first few years of his career in Boston – 20.7, 26.3, 31.3, 21.3, 23.3, 23.8, 24, 29 is last season in Boston. Wow. So – He's improved. He's, he's He is – is he good? No.
0: No, no, but, no. I'll take, I'll take those three-point numbers. That's a step. That's but a step, I still you know? want to know set shots. I, I get where you're going with the three-pointer, well, that yeah. those are probably set shots, but I'm not convinced that they definitely are. Even well, coming off the screen, Rondo yeah, but, is a better shooter.
1: Yeah, but he was always – remember, he was always a guy who – the game, how about the series against Philly? He hit that big three there at the end. He was always a guy when he doesn't – when it's in the flow, he makes them. It's kind of like Dennis Johnson that way.
0: No, I remember Where, saying that. his. You know, rookie, I remember preseason of his rookie year, there was a game, and I can't remember who they were playing, but he was out there for the final minutes with the Scrappers and Delonte West and everybody else before the trades, yeah. and the ball got inbounded. And he kind of hit this running three game winner. And the season – he hadn't even played an an official NBA game that counted yet, and he hit that in motion. And I remember citing that for years afterwards on this show and saying, dude, when that guy's in motion, he's a better shooter. There's something about him just taking a wide-open shot. He's better off to pass it. You know, and he's and and so the one th- I mean, again, not disparaging Rondo it was just remembering how the Whoa. two of us would go back and forth during that era about yeah. him. But you're 100 percent right. Like there was a, before the elbow got bent halfway around, you know, like just a mess. Forgive there was a stretch on a big stage where you looked at him and said that guy could be could average a triple double low category in points mm-hmm. but could be capable of a 2 to 4 year run in his prime coming up where he might average a triple double especially as these other players get older and they transition out of that guard and he becomes you know the old guard and he becomes the focal point. And that's what you're saying. That's exactly and, the and, point. And that's a hundred percent. And that's a hundred percent spot on. And I felt that even despite my criticisms of his jump shot. Yeah.
1: Well, and Ray, and and that to go back to Ray too, the fact that Ray refused to acknowledge that, you know, I, I, I don't think that Rondo necessarily covered himself in, with glory and, and handled himself the right way and all that. I, I, you know, while I love the player, uh, you know, his demeanor, perhaps in the locker room and with coaching, was not was not great and was divisive and and probably was not you know helpful as you know KG's little brother KG's going to take his side and you know on and on and on we go yeah so I can see how that can push Ray further away um with a guy like Rondo who is probably not the most um you know welcoming and arms wide open player but. At the other on the other side of it they played great together and you know it was Ray falling off as a defender and Ray falling off as the ability who could do anything more than than to do the the set you know the, the, the hit the threes uh you know and space the floor his inability to do more than that was what drove that it wasn't yeah. Rondo didn't like him anymore and and was you know looking him off though I think he did. It was it was much bigger, and Ray's got to accept that, and he he, you know, he's he just not didn't to want him.
0: to, didn't he's want to. Him. All right, so here's what's amazing. You know, every every week we text each other to set up recording for the show, Ooh. and we say, Ooh. "What are we going to talk about?" And now here we are at the 50 minute mark, and I will say we sound a little bit like a couple of old geezers reminiscing about the old days. Get that off my lawn. lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, and you know what? It also occurs to me that I am an old geezer because I turned forty-five yesterday. So uh, it's definitely coming along. I know you got—I got a couple of years on you, right? You're in the forty-three range, I think. You were ninety-five grad. Ninety-six. I haven't haven't
1: turned forty-two yet.
0: Oh, see, yeah, I've almost—you know—you're—you're my wife's age. (laughs) See, yeah, the younger, younger younger woman. woman. That's right. <laughs> this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin, and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, your favorite podcast application. Yeah, We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, hit it, John. Sammy! Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin and Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.